are turning, Lord, to hear you. You are merciful and kind, slow to anger, rich in blessing, and with love to us inclined. The gospel this morning is quite long. If you need to sit down, that's okay. If you would like to read along, you may open up your Bible in the pew to page 1546. We'll be reading the Passion of Jesus, chapter 27, beginning with verse 11. The Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to him, whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to him, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to him, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? All of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, his blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. 
those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, at once, one of them ran and put a sponge filled with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with them who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly, this man was God's son, the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. El punto del sermón que yo quiero compartir el día de hoy es que es posible que nosotros consideramos que esto no era el plan de Dios. Porque qué tipo de plan tiene un padre en crucificar a su propio hijo? Será mejor si nosotros imaginamos que esto es una consecuencia de confrontar el poder del gobierno y el Estado. Que si Jesús murió para nuestros pecados, como todavía el día de hoy, personas inocentes mueren por consecuencia de los pecados del pueblo. Y lo, el evangelio para el día de hoy es sencillamente esto que a veces las personas que sufren no merecen su sufrimiento. Jesús no mereció su sufrimiento, tampoco nosotros, sino di Dios nos da poder en cambiar el mundo. Amén. On the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What kind of a father would kill his own son? Was it God's plan from the beginning of time to have his only son, Jesus, be crucified in order to forgive the sins of the people? Does this make sense? 
Imagine that somebody were to owe you money. And instead of asking them to pay you back, you made your own child pay off their debt. Would that be a loving way to parent? If God has the power to forgive sins, why not just forgive them? 500 years ago, Luther asked the same thing of the Pope. If the Pope has the power to forgive sins and allow people to go to heaven, why charge them money from indulgences or masses for the dead? Just free the souls from purgatory out of fatherly love. Maybe Jesus did not plan to die like this, nor did he want to die at a young age. What if his death was not necessary for our sins to be forgiven? John was already forgiving sins by baptism at the Jordan River. Jesus didn't say he was wrong. He got baptized by him. Most Christians I know tend to feel really sad this time of year, right before Easter, especially on Good Friday and today, Passion, Palm Sunday. We feel sad at the crucifixion of Jesus because it is tragic. So why would God devise such a tragic plan? So how else might we understand the passion of Jesus? We could consider Jesus' crucifixion as a possible consequence for living out the gospel. It takes only the briefest study of history to know that many great spiritual leaders who follow the path of Jesus are often targeted with violent death. Consider Martin Luther King Jr., Oscar Romero, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and many others. Is there something about following Jesus that maybe threatens established power? Crucifixion was very commonly used by Rome to establish social control. If a person dared lift up their head and question the authority of Caesar, an example would be made out of them. That is what they did to Jesus and thousands and thousands and thousands of other people. Jesus had to have known that this could have been a very likely possibility for him. But does it mean that he wanted it to happen? Does it mean that it was his plan? Consider this. We don't think the way of Jesus is suicide, do we? We don't advocate or teach that people should run headlong into certain death, do we? Far from it. Time and time again, Jesus avoided a premature death by retreating, traveling, and taking shelter. Remember that the devil tempted him to jump off the temple, and Jesus said no. Remember that when John, his cousin, was arrested and his life was threatened, Jesus got out of there. Remember that when Jesus preached his first sermon in his hometown, Nazareth, they were going to shove him off a cliff and he ducked through the crowd to live another day. Jesus hustled and bustled 
to stay alive as long as possible. But then there came this day that we remember when he was put in a corner and given two choices. Submit to Roman authority or face the cross. And in this moment, Jesus remained faithful and true to who he was, who he understood God to be, and who he calls us to be. When Pilate, who represented Caesar, who was the governor of the land, asked Jesus to his face, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus looked him right in the face and said, you say that I am the king. Jesus was faithful to himself, God, and us, and it cost him his life. So what we remember and celebrate about Jesus' passion is his dignity. He gently protests the brutality of the state with his own life. Each courageous breath that he takes is an act of defiance and a disruptive act of creativity. Did Jesus die for our sins? If the answer is yes, then it means that we bear responsibility for his suffering. It also means that perhaps we could do something to prevent innocent suffering and death like his even still today. We might be centuries removed from the Roman Empire, but there are still innocent children who die today. Will we take responsibility to do something about it? Will we make our own plan with God and each other guiding us for life? What is the good news that comes from the crucifixion of Jesus? Did Jesus deserve to die on the cross? Did he do anything to deserve suffering and dying the way that he did? If he did not deserve to suffer and die, then perhaps you do not deserve to suffer and die either. What if this is part of grace? Grace is that we don't deserve salvation, goodness, and blessing that God gives us. It could also mean that we don't deserve the suffering and pain we endure in this life either. It's a thought that could bring great relief to our troubled minds and souls, and great purpose and direction to our numbered days. If we don't deserve the suffering we endure, then perhaps we are free to do something about it. Maybe that's exactly what Jesus made his life all about, and the life of discipleship to which we are called. Jesus' passion and our passion is a life well lived for all of creation. Amen.